didn't see you there. Something big is going on here. From hunting ghosts to Bigfoot. Paranormal, UFOs, true crime, and more. We won't just be spouting articles. I was researching for your entertainment. The beginning of a new world. <laughs> the best guac you'll ever fucking eat. True story. It's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. This, this is, is the Blackout Black Report. Report. See you on the other side. No intro this week, we're just hopping in. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 43 of the Black Cat Report. My name is Gil and joined with me today is the one and only, the incredible Joey Really Hates Pizzas with Anchovy. I really freaking do. (laughs) And Selena Bear. Hello. International Betsy Bay is still away, but have a sneaking suspicion she'll be joining us soon anyways if you haven't caught part one and part two of the brooklyn bridge ufo abduction series please go back a couple episodes and catch them again this is part three and like i said we're hopping right in now the fighting didn't stop once she was into the black mercedes before dan could even get the car started linda reached into her purse and grabbed a taser shocking richard in the shoulder and then lunging straight at dan jabbing it into his neck and pulling the trigger unfortunately the batteries were nearly dead at this point and led to the shocks becoming less and less effective ultimately enabling richard to yank the taser out of her hands like can you imagine just getting a taser like like straight to the neck. Okay, so funny story. I have a taser that doubles as a flashlight, and I carried that with me all the time. I got an Uber. I was wearing really tight pants, and it was in my front pocket, and the Uber had to make a sudden stop to avoid hitting somebody. Oh, shit. So we jerked, and because my pants were so tight, that motion unlocked the safety and also pressed on the button that sends the shock so i basically electrocuted my crotch no did the did the uber driver go is that a taser or are you just happy to see me no i screamed and she thought i got hurt because of what she had to do and then i was like no i just oh my god i just tased myself in the crotch (laughs) and then she was like oh my god yeah so this is like a, a three-part lesson. First off, get a taser. Second off, keep the batteries charged. Third off, don't put it in tight pants. Yeah, literally. Um, it was fully charged. Damn. Dang. Well, mm-hmm. So at the point in which um, she got it yanked out of her hands, right? At which point, Linda began kicking as hard as she could against the car windows while screaming at the top of her lungs for help as Richard tried to wrestle her down and restrain her. It wouldn't be until he threatened to knock her out that she would, at least physically, become more cooperative, giving cue to Dan to start the car, at which point they all drove off. The conversations that would soon follow devolved fairly quickly, moving from, we just want to talk to you, to... Which government agency or government are you working for? Like, literally, it just went from like, yeah, no, we just want you in the car. I know we just kidnapped you, yada, 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 to like, tell us which government agency you're working for. Is it not the United States? What government are you working for? Just tell us what government you're working for and we'll let you go. Like, Dan and Richard are like out there. 
at this point. It was pretty obvious, to Linda at least, that there was no right answer she could give. These men had become consumed by what they had witnessed that night and were trying every angle possible to explain it away. And for one of them, Dan, there was a growing obsession with the belief that Linda had to be one of the aliens, or at the very least, working for them. Before long, they were pulled over at a rest stop, and soon this back and forth would escalate into a full-on yelling match between Linda and Dan, her emotions amplified by the fact that he and Richard were recounting everything they had seen that night, and Linda, the victim of the abduction, was being forced to hear and relive all of the trauma over and over again. Tension built until literally it got to a point where Linda lunged at Dan and began pulling his hair as he was yelling, you're one of them, you're one of them. And she was screaming back, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. All this only reached a sense of, at best, a tense calm when Richard physically pulled them apart and scolded them like children. This uneasy peace was short-lived, though, broken by an awkward request from Dan. Richard? Pull off her shoes. I want to see her feet. Whoa. Yeah. So he's got a foot fetish, an alien foot fetish. This is fucking weird. This is going to get weirder. This is going to get a lot weirder. Linda tried to deny the command, but Richard became insistent, telling her to just cooperate, that they wouldn't push her to do anything else. She eventually gave in, sliding one foot out of her shoe before Dan barked back in order for her to take her sock off. She did. Richard then grabbed her foot and began examining it carefully, staring at her ankle and taking time to look at each individual toe. And of course, this wasn't enough. He asked to see her other foot, to which she promptly denied, at which point Dan calmly said, come on, cutie, which rightfully pissed her off. Richard then chimed in, Okay, sweetheart, which then fully set her off. <laughs> Stop treating me oh like God, a kid. Yeah. I'm a grown woman. To that, Richard simply replied, I wish you were mine. <laughs> yeah. With this uncomfortable air left in the moment, Linda took off her other shoe and sock. After analyzing each and every inch the same as before, Richard told Dan to look for himself, to which he replied, You're right. I can see it. Before the confusion about what they were talking about had any chance to set in, Richard looked at Linda with tears forming in his eyes and asked for a hug. Oh, God. Like that kid in high school. <laughs> what? Can I have a hug? That, like, really gross, like, kid in high school, they were usually, like, unpopular and smelly, and they would just come up to girls and be like, can I have a hug? You don't know that that didn't happen at your school. I guess, or maybe you just we never were got those kids <laughs> because we were those kids. <laughs> but but we like hugs. <laughs> yeah, just like as a gross way to like get well, in any kind of form of contact from a female. Well, the request to Richard was soon echoed, or the request from Richard was soon echoed by Dan as well. Pissed as hell at Dan, but. Weighing in her mind what might happen if she doesn't comply, she leaned in and gave Richard a hug, keeping an eye on Dan the whole time. When he finally let go, he put his hands on her cheeks 
and kissed her on her nose before whispering, I wish she were my little girl. This is weird. This is this is like Yeah. Yeah, they're these... becoming like obsessed and infatuated with her. Yeah. This it doesn't seem like it's it's like a spur of the moment thing either. Mm-hmm. This is what's no, kind of creepy not. though. Like, they're planning like... each moment that they take her. And yeah, this is yeah. Before people worry that like this alien series is becoming like Walking Dead or Walking Dead, like season four hundred and twenty-seven, where it's just drama, aliens do come back into this. Trust me, but there is a lot of shit, um, interpersonal things, right, that are going to be going on during this. Just trust us; it all adds up into a greater plot. Anyways, Dan started up the engine, and they made the long drive back to where they'd kidnapped her from. Right, discussing details from the night of the abduction as Linda sat mostly quiet in fear and in shock. Naturally. Well, when all things were said and done, she was finally released a little after 11 a.m. Three hours, over three hours, after being violently forced into the car off the street in New York near where her son just got on a bus to go to school. Like, so yikes! That's terrifying. Fucked. And and like one of the most terrifying things is that like, but Hopkins was like, "Well, did anyone see anything?" And she's like, "Of course they did. I was screaming, I was kicking, I was like clawing, I was like fighting for my life, and people were just walking by, avoiding eye contact, just not wanting to get involved." Yeah. Yeah. See, this is the real New York. (laughs) Unlike these two guys who are like, this let me watch this... her through the window. Yeah. This is why the people from Seinfeld got arrested in the the ending, because that's how city folk are. They're like, we don't need to get involved. Yeah, this is not our business. <laughs> Country folk would have been like, excuse me, uh, no, you're not allowed to take her. <laughs> Pardon me, excuse wait, me. Wait, why, wait, why are you taking her? Why, why oh. Aliens? We don't got no a. Oh, that's right. My cousin Jethro got abducted the other weekend. That- hey, Jethro. <laughs> yeah. Get on over here. Tell this nice man about your about your stuff about your abduction. Yeah. See. <laughs> <laughs> See. <laughs> well. Before long, Linda was on the phone with Bud Hopkins, right? That's that's one of the main points behind the story is like this is moment to moment shit happening during an act like an active investigation. Well, she started telling him uh, basically of all that had just went down and documenting every single little detail. He was super insistent about her like writing down everything she could remember from the conversations, everything she could remember from the experience everything immediately right in the end um well basically there was never any police report filed but linda did participate in another hypnotic regression session with bud there was a reason this time they wanted to try to pull as many of the details as possible from the event in order to hopefully track down richard and dan and in this process Linda was able to remember a few key points. The first, there was a Rolls Royce parked behind the car she was forced into. Second, 
the style, and a few of the letters from the Rolls-Royce's license plate. And third, a small blue window decal she noticed while sitting in the back of the black Mercedes. With this information, Bud was able to reach out to contacts he'd made with people throughout police departments and government agencies. These folks were experiencers he had worked with in the past, people who had also been subjected to alien abductions in their lifetime. Before long, Bud was able to hunt down the meaning behind all three of these major points Linda had remembered. The first one, the blue symbol on the window they were able to quickly identify as belonging to the United Nations. Boo, boo, boo. <laughs> the plot thickens. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And the second and third there, the Rolls Royce and its license plate were a perfect match to the diplomatic plates that were assigned to one Javier Perez de Seuar of Peru, who was in fact the Secretary General of the United Nations. He was quite literally the leader of the UN. Damn. Damn. Kidnapping people yes. too. Freaking crazy. <clears throat> I mean that goes on par with the you know the UN too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, government does shit all the time. Mm-hmm. MK Ultra. Yeah. Wink, Check. wink. Hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. Book, wink, book. wink, hint, hint. <laughs> but once more, it would later be discovered through a letter from Richard that Javier was not only following behind them in the Rolls Royce on the day of Linda's kidnapping, but he was also listening to everything that happened inside of the car. He, in fact, was the mysterious third party that Dan and Richard were running security detail for the night Linda was abducted. But we'll get into more detail about that in just a moment here. You know, I can just see him being just like this. I don't know if he's a short guy. I just picture him as this little short guy sitting behind like the in his big Lincoln, you know, just being like, hey, and ask her like talking in their ears at telling them that, like those romantic comedies, you know, when he's like, T- can you ask her? Oh, yeah. Can you can you ask her to um take off her shoes? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Check her toes. Um, how many oh, wait. toes she got? How many toes she got? Five. Oh, I can five. work that's, with that. That's fine. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. I can Daddy work with that. likes that's five fine. toes. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Daddy likes five toes. It's like, but on planet Glorfclop, they have seven toes Gosh. on each toe on each on each. Uh, no, but this foot. is like this is this is really. I do like the picture him as some, some like kind of like kinky evil villain guy, but like, but this is really fucked, right? And we also oh we yeah have for sure. to remember the time period this is in. Like this is in 1991, all right. So mm-hmm. there's some nefarious characters out there. These people, like yeah, yeah. Um, so like the like utter amount of like surveillance potential and like the power of the government at the time right um it's just i don't know it's just insane to think about because the government was able to get honestly i think the government was able to get away with more back in this time because there wasn't everybody on the street 
loaded with a cell phone connected to like a Facebook Live, like Instagram Live, YouTube, yeah, Twitter. Recordings, like, videotapes, or like, tapes. I'm so old. They could straight up fucking like black bag you on the goddamn street. Like throw a bag over your head, put you in the back of the truck, drive away. It'd be four witnesses and they would just like walk up to a news agency and be like, you didn't see shit. And like, that was it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and I mean, there was no there was no Edward Snowden yet either being like, hey, guess what? They're spying yeah. on you. So they were all like, at least the government's doing doing OK things. It seems like they're doing OK. You know, I've never heard any bad thing that they've done. MKUltra, all the things that come out later that they did that are horrible, that they put all the Japanese in the prisons during World mm-hmm. War Two, all those things that came out later that they were just uh, pissed off at. Yeah. So. No, it's it's just nuts. Like, let's also not forget slavery. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, at the beginning of the country. But like, it's I don't know. What's just a trip to me here is just how helpless you would feel in Linda's position, where it's just like, uh, how do you get word out about any of this shit going on to anybody? Like yep. straight up, you you don't but not yet. No. I mean, Bud Bud Hopkins technically. She's she's putting in the right hands. She kind of got blessed in a way that she found the the one guy that's probably going to be like, yeah. hey, I believe yeah. you. Truth. You know, I'm going to take into this and also be a person that's a helper in this. You know, at least somebody to bounce ideas off of to be like, hey, what happened to me? What's happening to me? And these people that are kidnapping her, he's just kind of like, okay, let's gather all this data up. Let's find out maybe something else that could happen because not many other people... Even police probably, I mean, even police in the general sense would just be like, why did they kidnap yeah. you? That doesn't sound real. Um, you know, that doesn't sound real. Yeah, why, also, why would they kidnap like New York? So we had been watching this like docuseries that came out a couple years ago. Um, and in it, they covered the point in time where the government pretty much issued a general guideline for how to handle alien abduction reports because they had been getting an influx of calls yeah so basically they stigmatized it um like deeply and like made sure to associate it with people being crazy like people being unstable and things like that and that was happening around this time yeah so it was like very much not something you wanted to tell people about Thank you, Philip Class. Well, right now, we need to dive into the very real fallout that happened after Linda's kidnapping. First and foremost, it tore her family apart. She knew she needed to tell her husband, Steve, what had happened, and she tried her very best to break the news to him. She got the kids out of the house for the night, had them stay with family. I think it was her sister. She did herself up, makeup, hair, all that. And then she meticulously handmade her husband Steve's favorite dinner from scratch. Linguini, fil scalpelloni, don't know how to pronounce that, and Italian cheesecake. And god damn it, that makes me so hungry. (laughs) 
Yeah, and it's also a very confusing signal to send to be like, I'm going to get sexy. I'm going to make him his favorite food. Like, if I was him coming home, I'd be like, shit, I forgot our anniversary. Yeah. Or it'd be like, oh, goddamn, mm-hmm. Like, she must be real horny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, this is a And then she's like, so um, I was abducted by two men who work in the shadow government or something like that. <laughs> she, she, she sits him down. Here's your cheesecake, you know, all sexily. She's like, here's your, here's your favorite cheesecake, Steve. What do you do? Oh, yeah? Yeah? I'm going to can, I'm gonna slip off my shoes God real quick. <laughs> Just left one, right one. And then he's like, whoa. Whoa, whoa. Like, you, keep the shoes on. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well, <laughs> within minutes of sitting down at their candlelit dinner... Linda couldn't hold her hold it in any longer, and she spilled the beans. She told Steve everything about the kidnapping. His response, they did what? And he slammed the table, sending the food everywhere, and eventually stormed out of the house to find his brothers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming so they could all go find and beat the shit out of Dan and Richard, which other yeah, than yeah. the other than the, you know, ruining everything, he's like kind of rightfully so if somebody does that to your partner go beat the fucking shit out of them it's okay to do anyways um, so, yeah i mean it's not like he went to his brothers and we're just like hey guess what happened to my wife man this is this is fuck. she's the worst and you know like, she's the worst getting all kidnapped i'll kidnapped and sexy um but like yeah it was it was a very intense scene honestly in the book and she was trying her best at the time to like kind of be like ah i'm nervous about this and i think she kind of like reached a point where she was thinking about telling him like she spent too long thinking about telling him this and it became a bigger and bigger and bigger presentation in her mind to the point of just the presentation itself built uh in anticipation which, like, made the response to, like, the presentation, like, his response was going to be bigger because she made everything else so big on top of that. I don't know. I'm just waxing poetic here. But. And that's and that's why you use PowerPoint. Yeah. You know, exactly. If you, if you try to use other slideshows, you just, yeah. it, it, you yeah. lose the point. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't have a point in Google Slides, which is why you should use Microsoft PowerPoint. This episode is brought to you by google slides anyways um (laughs) well after that night unsurprisingly things were tense in the house eventually reaching the point where the children's grades actually started slipping in school like this went on for a while it was tense between steve and her kind of a shitty environment obviously you know they're looking up their mom they're just like she seems really stressed and scared all the time and these are young kids, right? The dad's just like, how the fi- how do I fight the shadow government? But he can't even Google that yet because Google's not around. It's a really bad time. But luckily, Bud and Linda were not taking the kidnapping lying down. In fact, just like her husband and his brothers, they too were trying to hunt down the real identities of Dan and Richard. This process would eventually lead Linda to sitting at the home of a fellow experiencer who was in one of Bud's abductee support groups. Well, this particular fellow happened to have had a massive collection of recordings on tape he made of UN meetings and events. Real exciting guy to bring to parties. 
<laughs> Linda and this gentleman proceeded to dig through tape by tape, looking at the faces of everyone ever shown publicly at the UN. Well, spoiler, this is long, boring, and an incredibly tedious process. And it took them hours before finally they hit pay dirt. A close-up of a security team member who Linda was able to identify as Dan. So freaking Dan. So from this from this still from this video, they were able to actually get printed images of Dan, which will come up later into the story. So hold on to that little nugget. As we now cue in the bodyguard. You see, in the meantime, Bud had been trying everything in his power to keep Linda safe in her, frankly, in her day-to-day life. But the situation was rapidly deteriorating, right? So, like, at one point, Linda literally got hit by a car as she tried to run through traffic to get away from Dan and Richard. It's it's a whole thing that happens in the story, but goddamn it, it happens so much. I'm just kind of yada yadaing like through it right now right it's it just keeps happening she keeps running into dan richard it's bad well knowing now full well that every time she takes her kids to the bus stop or goes to the grocery store dan and richard might show up and make it the last moment she's ever seen again along without being able to go to the police for fear of sounding absolutely insane and linda's husband steve <laughs> being gone during the day for work what options do they really have to protect Linda? Answer, Robert motherfucking Bigelow. That's right, the Bob Bigelow, the same millionaire who invested massive amounts of money into buying and researching the infamous Skinwalker Ranch. The same guy who started NIDS, the National Institute for Discovery Sciences, which would go on to procure millions of dollars in government contracts to research abductions, cattle mutilations, orb phenomenon, possessions, and poltergeists, amongst many other things. Bud had Robert Bigelow, paranormal gigolo, on speed dial, and when <laughs> Bud reached out to Bob... You can't just gloss over that. That was just funny. Thank you. <laughs> can't just gloss over that. Nailed it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Bud had. Um, where the fuck was I? <laughs> Bud reached out to Bob and told him everything that was going on. Bob didn't hesitate, and this honestly makes him really legit. He didn't hesitate to put his paranormal money where his alien loving mouth was. Bob personally financed a private bodyguard for Linda, a very serious ex cop named Joseph. So when Bud reached out, told Bob Bigelow like everything Bob's like I believe you this is legit I don't know everything that's going on here's some of my millions of dollars that I'm throwing into paranormal research right yeah and you don't mess with the Joseph Mm-mm. honestly yeah. he, he oh, yeah. does not you go from Joseph Stalin you don't mess with Joseph mm-hmm. Stalin you know um, Joseph Gabagouli um, you don't you don't mess with his pizza um, he, he anchovies I don't yeah, well, yeah, I can only think of Joseph yeah. Stalin. <laughs> Joseph Stalin, yeah. yeah. Joseph D'Angelo. Uh, send to, ah, Joseph, Joseph Lee. You don't fuck with Joseph Lee, all right? 
Yeah, no, it's true. You don't. Um, they were kidnapping her more times than I than uh, I will always love you is playing on the radio. Honestly, that's how it was happening. <laughs> I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one. That's going to come up here in a second. So. <clears throat> On most days, Joseph would essentially be attached to Linda's hip, going shopping with her, hanging out with her and the family while they're at home, walking with them to and from church, etc., etc. We've seen the movie The Bodyguard, so we all know what a bodyguard does. Anyways, there are a couple key things to point out about (laughs) Joseph's story. When Joseph first got hired, Bud told him the story along with everything that was going on. I mean... He had to be brought up to speed about Dan and Richard's tactics and motivations in order to adequately protect Linda and her family, right? That's the, that's the right thing to do. Well, hearing all this, he told Bud that Linda was either insane, conducting an elaborate hoax, or both. He was very dead set on this. He was just like, no, this, this is bullshit. This is fucking insane. But whatever, it's a job. I'm getting paid to be there. Well, it's good for it's it's good for Bud, and it's good for the other guy too that that they're doing this because this is also vetting this whole thing probably for a cheaper cost just hiring this guy than it would if they came there than like not Bud but like did side work and time you know mm-hmm. like this bodyguard's basically helping vet the story yeah. for these mm-hmm. people because he's gonna be there when these things happen and also helping her because yeah she's protected. Yeah. And but she but he, it's also not going to be just her anymore being like these people are freaking crazy and he can <clears> see <throat> these people coming for me. You know, like it's it's a good like double check. It's funny you would mention that mm-hmm. because as weeks passed and Joseph spent more and more t- time hanging out with the family, he began to realize something. They were just regular people. Like he literally I think they used the phrase like. Like in one of the letters that Joseph wrote to Bud Hopkins, like in a report, he said, this is just an honest, like middle class Italian American, like, you know, working class family living in New York. Like that was his exact words. Right. He essentially was it came down to like, there's nothing strange, nothing unusual, just an honest, hardworking family that appreciated him being there to protect them. That that was it. It was kind of boring, and he was just like, why am I here? Like This is like just sitting next to a family all the time. And while this doesn't stand out on its own, what happens to Linda the moment jo- Joseph isn't around convinces him there's something more going on here. On the evening of September 3rd, 1991, Joseph was meeting up with Linda while she did some shopping in an area of New York called Seaport. When he got there, shit popped off. Linda, visibly shaken, told Joseph the man standing to his left had been following her. Joseph glanced over long enough to get a look at the man, and, while at this point in his mind, he wasn't sure what was going on, he knew if she felt threatened, they should go. Well, right about the time he took her by the arm and pulled her to start walking, he glanced over, and what did he see? The man Linda was worried about, staring back at them, picked up a walkie-talkie and started talking into it. Joseph said again, let's go. They proceeded to run across a busy street and up a set of stairs to an outdoor seating area no one was using. 
When they sat down and looked back across the street, a gray van squealed to a halt next to the suspicious man. The back doors opened, and he got in before it sped away. Well, Joseph was willing to say that all of this may have just been an incredible coincidence. He admitted this moment changed his mind and made him believe Linda was in the middle of something heavy. And with that said, Selena Bear, take it away. All right. <clears throat> if you thought this story was insane before, just you wait. In September of 1991, after the chaos of Linda's previous abductions, Bud received a strange letter from Dan. In his own words, Bud calls this letter the most important document of all those received from witnesses and security personnel involved in this case. All right, get ready, because here we go. September 17th, 1991. Dear Bud, I hope this letter finds you in good health and happy spirits. My work has been taking most of my time, and I have been unable to write. However, much has happened since I've last contacted you. We have read your book, Intruders, and consider ourselves modestly informed enough to understand what has happened to Linda, and possibly to us. We behaved in a bullish manner, as some uniformed persons all assume behave. Please extend our apologies to Linda, to yourself, and to all the others in your group. The three of us have been under tremendous pressure. Still, there is no excuse for our actions. The third party, Richard, and myself, remembered a similar memory having to do with the November 1989 incident. This memory was of a single word, sand which triggered other memories. During a time not long past, we remembered another particular event which occurred immediately following Linda's 1989 abduction. However, we agreed not to disclose this memory to one another until we could see each other in person. The third party insisted that all of us write down our memories and bring them to light when we meet in order to test for imagination or reality. When we met at the designated place, we put all three papers with our written recollections down on the center of a table. Together, we read all three notes to ourselves and surprisingly came up with reality. There were three separate memories of one exact sentence reading, Lady of the Sands. Needless to say, we had our mindset on imagination and not on the totality of real events. Thereafter, a separate incident began to unfold for all of us. The following details are of what we uncovered in its final stage, not knowing there were going to be stages. On May 13th, 1991, pertaining to the November 89 incident. These details had to be considered separate which foolishly led to an unsuccessful but frenzied pursuit of Linda through the downtown financial district on May 17th. This is what we uncovered. After the object splashed into the river with Linda in it, the third party wanted to swim out to find her. We stopped him 
and walked him to the car. Instantaneously, we found ourselves sitting on the seashore somewhere, approximately 25 feet away from the sea. We didn't know how we arrived there, which was mind-boggling in itself. We looked straight ahead of us, and there we saw the girl we had seen in the light of the UFO earlier on. She was bending down by the sea alongside of those creatures. They were digging in the sand, using what looked like scooped shovels. They put their findings in square or rectangular metallic boxes or pails. Each pail and our box had a bright white light attached to it. They carried their boxes around with them by the handles. The three beings didn't appear to speak, but we could hear a voice coming from the girl's direction, Linda. Through the sound of the surf, she spoke in a peculiar foreign tongue. Perhaps the sound of the ocean distorted what we were hearing. The others appeared to be listening, and then they continued to dig once again. We didn't know what they were digging up. We didn't even know how or why we were sitting there on the sand somewhere in the first place. At one point in this event, which for us is the climax, all of them walked up to us as we sat there. The girl Linda held up what appeared to be a lifeless fish and said to us in a bold voice, Look and see what you have done. Our first impulse was to escape, but instead I asked her who she was. She didn't answer. One of the beings replied, Lady of the Sands. I can't be sure which one of them spoke because I didn't see lip movement, but I could hear the direction it came from, and it came from one of those creatures. Linda stood there bold as brass in her bare feet, with tears in her eyes. She was angry. The lights from their boxes reflected tiny silver particles that seemed to be stuck on Linda's hands and feet. It was all very peculiar. Soon after, they turned on their heels, no toes except for Linda's, and they walked away towards the sea. It appeared as if they were waiting for someone or something as they faced the ocean. Next, Richard and I were back by our car, trying to pull the third party off of the roof of it. We didn't understand how he managed to get up there without our knowledge. He didn't remember climbing up there. After we helped him climb down from the roof of the car, we walked back to the riverfront and watched over the river for about 45 minutes, to no avail. We walked back to our car, entered it, started the engine, and drove off to our original destination. What is your impression of Linda? Can you understand what happened here? Up until now, we have been hard at work questioning ourselves. Why didn't we remember the seashore? These beings spoke to us. How is it possible to forget that? Her sparkling hands and feet were also memorable, but we didn't remember. We didn't know how we arrived at that place. We couldn't all be dreaming the same dream and remembering it at the same time. We can't all be crazy with the same disorder either. None of this makes any logical sense even after reading your book. Bud, 
Something is wrong here. When we questioned Linda last April, we're sure you must be aware of this. We had no memory of the seashore. However, we had strange feelings about her at the time and couldn't put our fingers on it. Perhaps these feelings stemmed from a memory we didn't remember at the time. Consequently, we now believe that Linda told an untruth when she stated she wasn't one of them. When in fact, we saw her working side by side with them on the beach that November 30th morning. We know she was withholding information from us, and we didn't know why at the time. Perhaps she was frightened and didn't know what our intentions were if we found out that she was one of them. I'm determined to find out the truth, and I will. The fact remains, we still don't know who she is. We were led to believe that she is the Lady of the Sands, whoever that is. Environmental, I suppose. On the other hand, it is possible that we're jumping the gun. We don't know if Linda remembers any of this herself. She may very well be telling the truth after all. Whatever the case, we need to know who she is to determine the questionable position we are presently in. If she proves to be who she appears to be, then we are safe. We will not allow her graceful appearance or supposed ancestral background to hamper our judgment anymore. So the part about the ancestral background, um, Linda's son was on the bus, I think going to school, and there was a bum or a man that looked like a bum that followed him onto the bus and sat next to him. And he felt uncomfortable, so he moved. The guy came and moved down next to him and started asking him a ton of personal questions about his family. And then the weirdest question was the last question where he asked, is there anything extraordinary or anything of note about your family? And the kid didn't really know what to say, so he thought of like a fun fact that he had heard that may or may not be true. And he was like, uh, yeah, we're descendants of Joan of Arc. And so after being questioned by his mom and everybody, like, you know, did he smell like alcohol? Um, what did he look like? You know, was he slurring his words at all? Like, you know, anything like that? And he was like, no, like he was being perfectly normal, didn't smell like alcohol. Honestly, he seemed just like a regular guy trying to dress as a homeless person. And when he was asked how he looked, he described pretty much Dan. Hmm. So <laughs> as part of their surveillance, they were also trying to ask questions of his fam of her family. Yeah. So that's what that little part there means. That's weird. As for me, Linda is a pain in the rump. I dislike admitting that she has turned my emotions and part of my life into disorder. She can fly to the moon in her spacecraft, and the distance wouldn't be far enough away as far as I'm concerned. However, on occasion without her knowledge, I too have peered at her from a place of concealment. This foolish action stops the uncontrollable disbelief I feel. A bad day consists of overwhelming disbelief and denial. The thought of being taken hangs over my head. On a good day, I think about having a heart-to-heart -heart talk with Linda. 
I feel the need to keep her with me so that the bad days will seem half as bad. But then I remember the fighting words we had with each other last April. This thought makes me come to realize that Linda would never consent to such a meeting. And such a planned meeting would be much too risky after all. However, we will meet. But we will meet spontaneously in the near future. I can't understand what I'm feeling, bud. Nor can I comprehend what we may have already experienced that November morning at the seashore. Our present fears of abduction may have happened. If so, it very well may happen again. You see, we read your book after we uncovered the seashore event. The third party is left with a confused amazement. Apparently, Linda brings a smile to his lips, especially after we questioned her last April. He couldn't get over the fact that she keeps her mischievous temperament so well hidden beneath her graceful self. She gives him a keen satisfaction. He said, Yes, she is very much alive and thrashing about. She is absolutely and pleasantly real. We'll soon find out who she is. He can't see Linda as often as he would like to. Richard seems to be the only one of us who believes Linda is who she appears to be. He doesn't care if she worked alongside those creatures on the beach. He believes that there may have been unforeseen circumstances involved. He has concluded that we don't know enough about the UFO subject. Therefore, we shouldn't make judgments. Richard has a good point, but he always has something good to say on Linda's behalf. Linda says she isn't different, bud. She is different. And I'm going to find out this difference. Please, if you can, prepare Linda for a visit from us. I don't want her running off again because I will catch her. And that will frighten her more. Linda won't let anyone near her and we are to blame. We tried to talk with her a couple of times this summer, but we don't know if she was aware that it was us. She has the talent of disappearing in a crowd each time. She will not run too far if I have anything to do with it. However, I don't want her frightened. This is a situation we must complete for security reasons. We feel the need to stay in contact with you because you are the only one who is able to get word to Linda. Also, your open-mindedness, though we have never met, gives us temporary relief in this hopeless situation. Please stop trying to find us or else we will cut all contact with you. If you have a message for us, please give it to Linda. I'll be seeing her soon. Linda told us to look and see what we have done. And so we have seen what we have done to her. We're sorry. Please tell her we honestly didn't kill that fish. Thank you, bud. Whoa, that's freaking nuts. Yep. Yeah. Like, bud is like, he's like, oh, yeah. Right. Probably writing back to him like, oh, you guys are. He's just like, oh, you, you know, keep keep writing like I. I just want to hear how you guys are feeling, what's going on. And then when he like comes to Linda, he's just like, these dudes are fucking nuts over here. These guys are nuts. We need to get you safe. Mm-hmm. And did you catch yeah. like in the letter? He's like, I fucking hate her. Like she can go to the moon and she's not far enough away from me. But I want to keep her close because it makes me feel better. And it keeps the de- the bad days away. They got they broke. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like I don't know. I don't know if it, it happened. They've already been broke and nope. This completely or if rocked they just their saw world. This and they just went like, yeah. It broke them. Yeah. It. Yeah, it broke them. There were other circumstances happening at the time. Um, he had just gotten through a messy divorce and stuff like that, so he was a little like heightened anyway, but still not excusable and also like very no. unhinged and like terrifying. This is yeah. This is what I was saying like, you know, at the beginning of the series this is what stands out. There there's a couple main things that if people haven't been able to tell by this far into episode or sorry to to part 3 of this series, you know. Um but like what stands out to me so much about this case is a the fact that it's in a super busy city. Right, which is like super counter to everybody's beliefs around abductions. Um, be the high profile, right, um, of the people who were witnesses to the case. That's another one. Um, see, it's it's actually the like the real time breakdown of what happens to folks. I mean, we're talking right now. So it's 1991. It happened in November basically December 1st, but it was like November 29th, right, of 1989. That's when everything... November 30th. Or, yeah, November 30th. Um, thank you. Uh, of 1989. It's, it's, it hasn't even been two years at this point. This shit mm. has been going on so consistently. consistently. Remember, it was like February when Dan and Richard's letter came. 14 yeah. months later, right? Um, yep. And it's been going on and on and on. And and Bud Hopkins has been there for this whole process. And what all this kind of adds up to me is when you see documentaries with folks who are experiencers, right? And they're talking about what's going on in their life and how it affects them. When we look at Betty Andreessen, when we look at the folks from mm -hmm. the Berkshire UFO incident or from, say, like the Mojave incident, right? And those episodes, which we covered. And they talk about how it affected their lives, right? This is how much it's affecting the people's lives, who of folks that just witnessed it they weren't even the ones that were abducted mm -hmm. right it was just dan and richard they just saw this shit and it's fucked with them and caused them to be completely unhinged right it's just but they were maybe. abducted maybe they, they were might have been no they abducted. were it, no literally maybe stated in the letter that they were abducted so to backtrack a little bit for most of their coming unhinged they weren't aware they were abducted. Oh. Right? So, like, this was a process that was already going. Linda was aware she was abducted that night. Like, straight up, she reached yeah. out to Bud immediately. You know? And she's like, hey. But she had no yeah. she had no recollection of the Lady of the Sands. No, no, no. She didn't have recollection of the full thing. And that's where, like, um, you know, uh, regression hypnosis and all that shit comes in. But she was aware of, like, there's creatures around my bed. There's a bright light. I'm on a ship. You know, like, she was aware of that. The other folks, Dan and Richard, they were convinced that they just witnessed this from a distance. And it fucked with them mm -hmm. that fucking hard to the point where they became obsessed 
like completely obsessed with Linda, right? For over Mm -hmm. two years now, or getting close to like two years Mm -hmm. now. That's what stands out. So we had all those points, but then it also just stands out of like, this is how much it fucks with people just to see happening, right? You're a squirrel Mm -hmm. up in a tree. You just saw another squirrel get hit by a car. And now you're trying to explain it to all of those squirrels in the forest. You're like, it was crazy. (laughs) Nobody will believe you. Okay. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't believe in cars. That was a good impression. That was a good impression. It was greatly disturbing that Dan seemed to be getting more hostile, suspicious, and dangerously unstable. Not only that, but Linda had been under surveillance by Dan and Richard multiple times, and from her own recollection, other people were involved in trying to kidnap her as well. This letter presented an opportunity for Bud to see if Linda could corroborate the new information, information that she would have no way of knowing was divulged in the letter. Bud and Linda set up another regression therapy session, although Linda was not told the true reason behind it. Yeah, so like, literally, Bud saw an opportunity here where he's like, wait, this letter came to me, right? Linda has no idea what's involved in it. We've already done a regression therapy session. She explained the whole experience with getting abducted, yada, yada, yada. But she's never said a damn thing about the Lady of the Sands, about using those fancy, like, pooper scoopers on the beach or, like, the dead fish or, like, anything like that. And he's like, let me just, uh, this might be bullshit. I'm going to call her in here and try to get her to maybe remember a little bit more. Yeah. And at the point where the abduction recollection would usually end, to Bud's surprise, she suddenly had new memories about that night. Memories that would solidify the events outlined in Dan's letter as fact. Bud felt he needed to record evidence of the moment Linda was read the letter. This was his way of creating more proof that Linda and the men all recalled the same information without having shared or prepared it amongst themselves. When the letter was read, he had two witnesses and one camera operator present. According to a close friend of Bud's, while watching the tape of Linda's reactions, she was reminded of a trapped animal. The reactions she was exhibiting were so genuine and real that Bud even though he felt guilty for putting her through it, felt like it was worth it for the greater good because it was giving them more evidence that this was indeed like something genuine. Yeah. Damn. Now in the letter, Dan mentioned his intentions of seeing Linda again, stating he will catch her. Unfortunately for Linda, this would happen sooner rather than later. On the morning of October 15, 1991, around 11 a.m., Linda was on Pier 17, heading to the Gap to do some shopping for her sons. As she walked, she was suddenly confronted by the appearance of Dan. She turned around and ran, periodically looking back to check how far behind he was. When she didn't see him, she was relieved. Unfortunately for her, he had gotten ahead, and she ran right into him. Now, since she had been constantly harassed and kidnapped 
Bud gave her the photo of Dan that they had found in the video proving he worked for a government agency. This was, in their minds, the best way to ensure he would stop harassing Linda. A way of bluffing that they knew who he was so he could be reported. Bud also recorded a tape he hoped would assuage Dan and Richard's fears. Linda carried this with her on her errands, hoping to hand it off and be done with Dan and Richard's harassment. And, thanks to her bodyguard Joseph, she had been wearing a wire every time she left the house. After Dan put her into a red sports car and took his seat behind the wheel, she handed him the tape and showed him the photo. He reacted in a predictable yet frightening way, grabbing her by the shoulders and shaking her, demanding how she had that photo. He threw the tape aside. He grabbed a metal detector and began scanning Linda, discovering her wire and taking the tape recording. Dan, being extremely volatile, whispered for her to come close. He grabbed her and started kissing her all over her face. Linda screamed and started saying, you need help, you need help. As they drove, he would continue to act in an impulsive and unstable way. Once they reached their destination, a beach house in Long Island, Dan became more cordial. He went to the kitchen to make them coffee and told her Richard would be coming. This news gave her a sense of relief. That feeling was to be short-lived, as Dan gave her a gift-wrapped box containing a sheer, long nightgown and a lingerie set. His next request was bizarre. He demanded she get undressed and wear what she was given in the box. Linda got him to agree to her wearing it over her jeans and blouse. After having her stand by the window in her new garb, he once again broke down, saying, It really was you! Linda saw her chance to escape once he lowered his head and continued to speak to himself. She ran out of the house moments later and onto the beach. She didn't know Dan was right behind her, photographing her. He tackled her and again began his strange, affectionate, and unwelcomed behavior once more. Rocking her back and forth, Dan started to tell her how she would always be with him so that he would always be happy that they would move far away and start a new family. After she refused, he smeared sand on her face, laughed, and said, Look at you now, lady of the sands. After dragging her around the beach, murmuring about her digging holes, he suddenly stopped and forcefully removed Linda's pants, again attempting to kiss her. Becoming frustrated at the sand on her face, he walked her to the water and began dunking her headfirst into the ocean. Once he was done, he cradled her in his arms once again, and he would not let her go. This terrifying ordeal was thankfully ended when Richard approached the beach house. He was able to talk Dan down enough that he let Linda go. She retrieved her jeans and returned to the red sports car with Richard. Once she was home, she immediately called Bud. She showed up at his house with her damp jeans, the nightgown in the bag, and the full story. Richard later sent a letter as an apology, stating he would be meeting with Linda on his own and revealing to Bud that Dan was now in a mental hospital. Knowing that Dan was out of the picture provided great relief to both Linda and Bud. 
Richard was definitely the more stable of the two and did not share the same unregulated emotions as partner exhibited. The mention of this future meeting did not worry Linda as she had begun to feel fond of her previous captor, now turned savior, in the incident with Dan. And this is where we leave off on today's episode. Please tune into the Brooklyn Bridge Incident Part 4. Pew, pew, pew. So many air horns. That is freaking nuts. Also, like, maybe this is planned. And like Dan's going all crazy, and then Richard's like, "Oh, yeah. I'm the good cop," you know. They're I don't know. Good cop, bad cop. In in the letter they're... that he sends us the apology, <clears throat> he was like, "Oh my god, dude! Whoa, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was that bad with Dan. He didn't tell me he was gonna pick her up before I was done with what I was doing, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he was like." I'm I lost like I mean, one of my closest friends. She's in an inpatient facility at the moment and starting to do better. So yeah, he's in a mental hospital. I think it's nuts honestly that she has to go through this to like because she can't explain to somebody of mm-hmm. like authority of like a police officer or like a federal person to be like hey i somebody is kidnapping Mm -hmm. me and trying to pretty much assault me is Mm -hmm. assaulting me you know like can't she can't go to somebody just because of the way that she would have been looked on yeah yeah and that she also couldn't just be like no i don't want to meet you because he would probably in some other way found a way to they just like multiple force, times I mean, like granted popped she, up on her and just yeah, they, took her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like they were already doing it. So it's just like, I think she in this way is like trying to take the power of it and be like, Hey, with the, like with the help of proving it to other people of like, Hey, I have a wire, you know, I'm going to prove to somebody by doing this, like, this is actually <clears throat> happening. I did want and to mention, I forgot to crazy. mention, um, when Richard comes and they, they go back into the house for a little bit with Dan to try and get him to calm down. And Richard's like, come on, dude, like, just go upstairs, take a shower, whatever. And Dan's kind of like, okay, like, just like a big toddler being like, you know, escorted up the stairs by Richard. Yeah. And Linda remembers Dan put the tape in his blazer pocket, which is now laying on the couch. Both men are upstairs. So she reaches into his pocket and steals it. And in part of the letter, um, Richard is like, I'm really worried about how like paranoid Dan is. He said that she had a wire. I don't believe that. And he said that he took a tape, but he couldn't produce it. So I'm not, I don't know, you know, which is kind of funny. But yeah, yeah, that she no, and yeah. it's awesome she did that mm-hmm. too to make sure that she's like no because otherwise she doesn't have that yeah tape and proving it you know so she probably had that sixth sense to be like oh yeah. shit that's like, why you had the tape on the tape it was recording for just such a short time because the time in which she started speaking on the recorder or the microphone or whatever was the immediate moment she saw Dan. Yeah. And she's like, oh, no, oh, no. Yeah. And then she starts running and she's even like, God damn it. I should not be smoking. <laughs> and like, you know, you can hear her saying shit like that on the microphone. And then um, yeah. 
you hear the moment Dan grabs her, you hear Dan telling her, come on, like, run with me. And like, all of that, then, you know, getting in the car, and like, him shaking her, where did you get this, blah, blah, blah. And then after the whole metal detector thing, and the, you know, the tape completely cuts off, and that's yeah. the end of the recording. Mm-hmm. But it at least captured proof that she was abducted yeah. by Dan. Thank you for listening to the Black Cat Report and our episode on the Brooklyn Bridge UFO incident, part three. We have part four coming next week in this twist and turny tale of a woman caught in the middle of horrendous things happening. Please remember to like, review, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We work diligently to bring you quality and interesting content through painstaking research, and we can't wait to see you next week as we continue the story.